to another African Rhythms. My name is David Love Jones, and that was True Reflection. And welcome, Mike Ingram. We have you back. Nice to have you back again. Nice to be back, David. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Ingram is going to help me weave through the wonderful world of soul music. You know how I love to do these all-soul editions. Mike, having such a success on the show last time, so enlightening to find out how much you've uh, learned yourself about uh, the soul music and living in New York. I certainly don't think that hurt. No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) We're starting with some group soul, and that was True Reflection, and you're telling me even though it was a Philly produced, it, they were actually a New York band. True Reflection was a New York band, and uh, uh, like 
a lot of bands that uh, didn't get big label contracts or you know play for their subsidiaries uh, it was very much like that we talked about new york being a kind of locked market if you didn't uh, work with the big two true reflection was typical of that if you didn't get off right away a lot of times you got lost in the sauce but everything about the song is philly because uh yeah the, pr- it the was production re- it was recorded at sigma sound very famous recording studio that's where uh all of the philadelphia international stuff was done uh, norman harris has a prominent role on there and uh I believe Major Harris as well. Yeah, that one was arranged by uh, Ronnie Baker, and then mm-hmm. there's Vince Montana. Montana. I mean, these are all like key names yeah. in uh, the Philly sound. If yeah. it, very much so. Montana, especially Montana, remembered those things, and he incorporated those string arrangements later on when he took over South Soul. Yeah, and as I said, the Philly national anthem, I believe this track was called The Ebony's, and what an incredible record from 1973 on the sound of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. You remember this one, Mike? Yeah, oh <laughs> I tell you, uh, for nothing else, uh, we talked about how Philadelphia International was so um, musically pure as far as the arrangement, how everything was always well done. Uh, this, is, I mean, this song has drama all over it. I mean, it's a yeah. beautiful, beautiful ballad. Yeah, and here it is, You're the Reason Why.
got much to give Hey, baby And don't know what I'll get Is if you love me We can make it, baby We can make it if we try We can make it Oh, darling Just rely on me
incredible stylistics and before that we had the originals and Mike Ingram is my special guest from the Afro News and we're going to hear a little bit about that later and how about that Mike a classic I I tell you uh, more importantly it, it shows part of the trend back then that a uh, the groups that were into the sexy soul had that falsetto Mm. as the foundation of um, their sound. You know, we just, we, we just heard Russell Tompkins Jr., the lead singer of the Stylistics. Yeah. And um, his beautiful voice. And, you know, that's something you don't hear today. A lot of falsettos, I mean, well, not that the voice is non-existent, but it's just not used because it seems nowadays the ear yeah. is geared to the... Yeah, the moments we're going to hear a little bit later. Um, mm -hmm. A great example of a lot of falsetto singing. I mean, mm -hmm. all their hits have uh, falsetto. That was their ingredient. Harry Ray and, and the Delphonics as well with the Hart Brothers. Um, the falsetto took the lead, and back then it was, it was the epitome of male singing. So we're going to listen to The Spinners now. Now, the, I believe this is one of your favorite songs. This is from 1973, and this was, uh, I guess, their debut record. This was on their debut record uh, yeah. after... Um, I'll Be Around. Yeah, I'll yeah. Be Around. Uh, spinners uh, had a better advantage than some of the sexy soul groups, and the fact that they had signed with Atlantic, so they had Atlantic's distribution machine behind them. Their stuff was played on mainstream radio a lot quicker than a lot of the other groups. Groups like the Delphonics and the stylistics they were in smaller markets and they had to sell a lot of product you know uh hand and glove like already in the cash register before they got picked up by a larger distributor to move yeah their stuff. and we're certainly going to get into some of that uh, more obscure soul as we get into it we got a little bit of uh windy city later which is definitely a great example of a group who mm, yes. <laughs> never really got recognition so a lot of their stuff's on small labels hard to get soul collectors only get to appreciate it which is kind of unfortunate but hopefully they'll be like me and play on the radio and <laughs> <laughs> turn other people onto the stuff but yeah let's listen to this beautiful track now how could i let you get away it's from the spinners debut record which is a great one to get because it has ghetto child could i believe i'm falling in love i'll be around i mean the hits just go on and on <laughs> yes indeed And I can't agree from blue, no, no Like 
cat and mouse Games of chase instead of house I get so mad at you Like parents often do In the middle of the room Got no time to Count my sheep today, baby How could I let you get away When I knew I'd need somebody soon From the Spinners debut. This was on a debut record. If there's anything 
Show me just what I'm worth Four, and that's on Curtom Records, a Chicago label. A great example of that sound. Hey, Mike. Yeah, Leroy Hudson um, behind that as far as producing. Uh, Chicago was uh, pretty much uh, Gene Chandler and Curtis Mayfield's turf, and Leroy Hudson, uh, another ex-impression. Uh, yeah, Brunswick Records. Uh, yeah. Some of their stuff was um, Chicago bounds for sure. Very much Chicago bound. Yeah. Uh, I know Jackie Wilson would, uh, who had a bittersweet experience with Brunswick would have liked an opportunity to have uh, spun off from that. But yeah, Chicago was a music hub. And, yeah. you know, those four mentioned people were the folks that were really behind the uh, soul scene back then. Mm-hmm. And we're going to listen to uh, a Jackie track a little bit later. We've just got to pack so much stuff in right this first hour. Mike Ingram and myself, uh, we're just on African Rhythms here. And we're just checking out Group Soul. And by 9 o'clock, we'll have been through quite a bit of soul territory. We've got, I was saying to Mike... Uh, during this song, that uh, how could we do a, a group soul segment of the show without playing the supreme master falsetto, Ronald Isley? Ooh, <laughs> so sweet. One of them. <laughs> master musician, master singer, um, falsetto being the, the most difficult of instruments to maintain over the course of a career. But uh, Ronnie Isley and Smokey Robinson, probably the two most mm. prominent falsettos that we know of in the modern era. But uh, again, uh, it's it's a very difficult thing to do because the falsetto has such a high margin for error as far as uh, maintenance is concerned. Mm. You can lose it a lot quicker than you can lose any other parts of your range when it comes to the singing voice. Yeah, and then the Isleys, I mean, starting with Motown and then, you know, waving through their career, T-neck, I believe, yeah. and, uh, you know, through into the 80s. And this is a track from the 80s, a beautiful one for the a love of you. track as well. This was when they were uh, on their own. They had put together a thing with their, their brother-in-law, Chris Jasper, and two of the other younger brothers, Marvin, I believe, and David, who um, hadn't been around them before but was kind of like on the fringes. And mm. They put their thing out there with the three-on-three -three album, which was Ernie Isley's you know, big hit with that lady with his guitar solo when they yeah. found out that Jimmy had Summer Breeze was on that one. Summer Breeze. A lot yeah. of stuff. Hello is Me, the Todd Rundgren remake. Yeah, we're um, going to listen to Harvest for the World a little bit later. One of my favorites. Mm -hmm. I love that song. But they had a solid three, four-year chunk of time there where th everything they were putting out was just really coming off and they were getting mm. good exposure. Everyone was really s rediscovering Ronnie Isley and the Isleys. Yeah, and here's a special number. For the love of you.
the dramatics. And that's uh, LJ Reynolds. Who was the falsetto on that, Mike? Falsetto on that one was Larry Demps. Uh, you, f you find with uh, a lot of the stuff that we're going through in this first hour, uh, there are a lot of three-man, four-man, and five-man groups. That particular album, The Dells vs. The Dramatics, you have two five-man groups there, and you mm -hmm. have your, 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 your basic harmonies, you have your tenor, your baritone, your second baritone, and because um, there were no real true bassos except for Melvin Franklin of the Temptations back then, ah, so, and LJ and that, that. LJ in that particular song, um, it was a defining moment for the Dramatics because that was his first turn with them. Uh, Elbert Watkins, mm. who was the person that he replaced in the group, was a second baritone, and you hear his work more on earlier songs like "In the Rain" and "Toast to the Fool." Ah, uh, right. Well, now I mean, when I hear LJ's fiery voice there. I think David Ruffin. You know, that's what it sums up for me. Very you know? much so. Very yeah. much so. And this fiery, soulful, intense kind of you know that you can never really get enough of. You yep. know that kind of voice. And yeah. L.J. had to turn it down a couple of octaves as well because L.J. when he was uh, fronting his own group, Chocolate Syrup, did mm. a song called "Stop Your Crying," and he had a very, very sweet and powerful falsetto. But yeah. a lot of times, what happens with the falsetto is that, uh, like flash paper, it can burn real bright and then disappear. And I think L.J.'s left very quickly and he just concentrated on scaling his uh his stuff down and yeah but what a wonderful made. voice even so i mean later on um he did um call me the aretha tune mm -hmm. on his uh, solo record when he was over in la for Capitol records mm -hmm. and that's pretty wonderful now let's get into windy city obviously from the great chicago the great windy city mm -hmm. and here is a group on a small label innovation that's a very obscure label. Still, uh, great quality. I tell you, more often than not, regardless of the city, if it's a, if there's a strong music background in the city, you're going to have lots of people who are out there trying to make it. I mean, it's no different where uh, in Philly or New Orleans or anywhere else, and mm. uh, groups like Windy City that didn't get that one solid hit where someone really could take notice of them and and you know just roll with that, they get lost. But uh, yeah. it's good that across the water people are starting to really pay attention to them and, and, and kind of keep their memories alive That's and, and right, help yeah. them back in the studio. Yeah, I mean, in Japan, and um, as we said on the previous show, with the Voices from the Shadows, a British magazine which uh, focuses on all of the, the wonderful soul, the southern, the deep, the sweet soul, the group soul. And that's certainly how I found out about Windy City and, and groups like that. And it's written by another fellow I've talked of extensively over the years in doing African Rhythms, Sam Dees. Mm. And this track here, from Sam D's, he, he had it on his one and only record from back then in the mid-70s, The Atlantic, The Show Must Go On, in which I consider the Van Gogh of uh, soul music in some ways. Here is Windy City's version, Good Guys Don't Always Win. Was your strength your leaning post when you are falling down? And whenever you felt alone, girl, I never let you be alone. You had a friend, and all you had to do was call. 
And don't you love those old, crispy, well-worn pressings? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that one went to a few of the better parties, you know. I finally got to my home, only probably for about a quarter. So, hey, it's still worth having, even though it's a little worn. <laughs> in, in, intriguing change there, David. You, you, know, you see the, um, the song, Can't Hide Love. Now, a lot of folks may have heard this song uh, sung by Maurice White, because Earth, Wind & Fire, of course, Sounds awful familiar to me, that one. Yes, (laughs) indeed. And uh, probably Neji and a couple of other jazz uh, artists also did instrumental versions of this very same song. Good Mm. example of a a really, really good tune uh, being translated well and and coming out well in the translation. Uh, The original song written by Skip Scarborough uh, it made it sense that it would eventually be Earth, Wind & Fire's property because he ended up doing a lot of stuff with Earth, Wind & Fire when they became very popular and during the mid-70s. Yeah, and that was from their, what, 1973, I believe, mm-hmm, record. Creative Source. Yeah, and that's their debut album, and it's another great record to look for.
and you're listening to the All Soul edition of African Rhythms with my special guest from Afro News, Mike Ingram, who himself, being a connoisseur of the fine soul music and living uh, and growing up in New York City, we've been discussing group soul for the first hour, and that was the Soul Children that ended that part, and we're going to start with the Soul Children also, who are a great example of gritty southern soul, very much close to the church and gospel very much so yeah. a, a, when you say southern you have to say gospel and you know you can't get away from any of that it was a big difference between the sound coming out of memphis and the cleaner more mass-produced motown sound yeah definitely and uh, you know there was a host of great songwriters homer banks comes to mind and labels like aware records hot atlanta sound dial dial for joe tex yeah mm -hmm. truth who were an affiliate of Stax, yeah, Blades, Lattimore's um, recorded label. Yep, Duke was a Texas label, yeah, Bobby Blue Bland coming out of there. Yeah, no, it's w there's a lot of wonderful stuff, and we'll start with Poem on the Schoolhouse Door, The Soul Children. Not long ago, the soul children decided to go back home. And when we got there, we found the old neighborhood where we grew up wasn't there anymore. And the old fear when we play ball after school The railroad has made it a freight yard now Since we were there We thought it was a good time to look up some of our old friends But the old gang They're not around no more Cause time has brought about a change But we just couldn't leave Without visiting the old school where we once had attended. And when we got there, oh, Anita, won't you tell them what we found? You know, I was disappointed when we got there because we found a condemned sign hanging on the door. Yes, we did. We had covered the campus and we noticed a few when the panes had been broken here. Oh, 
this part too It's not around anymore, no, no After graduation day She went a separate way life and I went mine And I'm glad today That when I wrote this poem I wrote two copies One on the school outdoor My Lord And one embedded deep down in my heart But the one that I wrote
to more of a southern soul direction, although that track actually, Sidney Joe Qualls, is from Chicago. And he certainly sounds a lot like Al Green there, Mike. That little swell there at the end, there, it definitely was like um, Al Green-esque, if I guess you want to yeah. say. But um, you got to remember, uh, Chicago was the way station for a lot of folks coming up from the deep south. That was the big city to yeah. a lot of those folks down below the Mason-Dixon line. It's on New Orleans and in the south is where a lot of the music has its roots in America, shall we say? Well, again, you know, it's the, it's the church thing because when, you, when you're back there from, from all the artists we just heard, you know, you can't get away from that gospel inflection. Uh, to a lot of those people, the mindset of singing down there was like, well, if you were able to make money singing, you, weren't, you didn't have a decent job. You weren't considered having a job because you were kind of like enjoying yourself because um, back there, and especially in the South, education was stressed. So... You know, a job was like you went to school and you had your little job at the post office or working, uh, you know, if you sang. I mean, if you sang, sang was just like giving glory. Sang was something you did on Sunday, you know, going mm. to church and stuff. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, the big transition, I guess a lot of jobs opening up in the north. And would you say it was also the racism, too, that probably drove some people away from the South? I mean, in the North, perhaps it wasn't quite as radical? To a lesser degree. Yeah. You, you'd have to understand that, like in the South, you could make a living off the land yeah. if your mindset and your skills were that way yeah. and, and not feel poor. I yeah. mean, if you if you grew your own food and, you know, you had a way to make money, you know, you were all right in that regard. Mm. If you were in the, the Northeast and the industrial and the big cities like New York or Philly or everywhere, Chicago, where, you know, times might be hard and stuff like mm. that and you can find a way, there's a little more logic in saying, well, you know, let me write about my pain and stuff like that. And the stuff, mm. it didn't kind of flow that way. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, with uh, Martin Luther King and what was all happening with that in, uh, in, in the uh, 60s, that was, he... I mean, in the North, you had the freedom of rights thing happening, and they were, like, marching in the South. So I, I just got the impression that perhaps in the South that it, it, it was a tougher time. It was tougher because the mindsets were different. In the South, you, there was definitely an obvious, like, well, yeah, I don't like you, and you don't like me. And there were certain parameters, parameters that you never crossed. There was mm. an understood thing yeah. uh, to, because to do so would lead to other things. And, and musically, that's very much the same thing. I think that's another reason why the Motown sound and the Memphis sound uh, became so defined because mm. Barry Gordy wanted to reach everybody. He wanted some sort of music that would cross uh, all the borders because he had seen in the 50s yeah. um, people like Pat Boone, you know, cross over and, yeah. and, and make more money than Little Richard did, you know, singing his original tunes and stuff. So yeah. Barry Gordy never forgot that and he wanted to touch on that. That's why he made the Motown sound this very palatable uh, 
I can't call it schlocky because it really wasn't. I mean, it was no, well it thought was out. Quality. It was but quality. It was, stuff. it was the roots, if you will, of uh, dance music today because it was a slick with a production. Very slick. It was yeah. diluted. It was yeah. very diluted. You know, yeah. I mean, the the raw stuff was the type of stuff where they figured, well, no, we can't play this on radio. It's it's too obscene. Yeah. Not in the not in the sense of the words, but just the the, the overall flavor of it. It was just yeah. too hardcore in a lot of ways for a lot of folks. So yeah, I mean, this radio. would be a good time to say or to talk about Atlantic and how Atlantic. The difference being was, um, I think they saw the success of Motown, and then they saw other singers like Aretha Franklin, who were struggling for a sound and trying to be given all these different production, and really just some nice musicianship. And that was an interesting thing, that um, you got together in the South, quality white musicians that loved the R&B and the blues roots, and they got together with the great soulful singers and you have this wonderful combination well that was the key see they they were sold on their sound what mm. they played was what everybody heard even though once you came out of church you didn't deviate in that direction this was the type of music that folks just did when they were sitting on the porch and whatnot or just kicking back or relaxing or when they all had people come over you know this was the type of stuff that they played and everybody who was involved with that they all had that one group love of this stuff and if you could play it didn't matter whether you were black or white the only concern with do you give the same kind of feeling is it yeah. for real that's what they wanted to hear yeah it was a pure music just like uh, pure country music is a pure music it was very real and let's hear Debbie Taylor a great singer who slipped through the cracks only ever had one album out actually mm -hmm. and was on the, some different small labels and this is a beautiful track entitled check yourself yeah. But I guess before I got to go, let me say out here to Port Moody, to Port Coquitlam, Burnaby, New Westminster, Vancouver. If you all want to know where the soul trees grow, the roots of all that, and that that encompasses it, can be found right here on African Rhythms. Amen to that. That was Mike Ingram. I'm David Jones. You're listening to CITR 101.9 FM on your dial. Peace and love. It seems somewhere you must be losing your touch cause your kisses don't have that fight much Are you tipping From me to someone else I think you better stop right now And check yourself not my fault You've got yourself to blame When the fire went down You should have given life to the flame Can you see you running You're running me to someone else Stop right now hmm. and check yourself. You better check yourself. Yeah. 
is happening 